It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. This week's episode, we're talking about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I'm Candace, and with me is Bree. Hello. And our special guest from What the Force, MC. Hey, MC. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've been having some technical difficulties, and hopefully this works, so fingers crossed. The Force Awakens. What we'd like to ask is, when do you, do you guys first see this movie? I have a pretty good story if you okay, want me yeah, to start. Please, or please. do you want to go second? <laughs> no, please go ahead. Okay, so I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life. And uh, when The Force Awakens was announced, uh, you know, episode seven, I was super excited. I started plugging back into fandom culture, listening to podcasts, lis- you know, watching uh, or Dude Tube. Um, and I was really excited, but my husband and I had like, just booked a vacation when they announced like the date that it was going to be released we had just booked a vacation to uh mexico near cancun like that side of the uh of the peninsula and and area in the uh, mayan riviera area and uh, I was like freaking out because tickets were going on sale and I was like, <laughs> I want to go and see this movie, but I'm going to be in Mexico. <laughs> I'm like, but they have movies in Mexico. Like, why can't I go see it in Mexico? So what I ended up doing was uh, getting some support from a friend of mine who um, like spoke red Spanish and uh he helped me like get my tickets online. They had full like online like seat selection and everything. We booked tickets at like the theater that was near where we were going. And it was in English with subtitles. Span- Spanish subtitles, which was fine, of course. And yeah, so we booked the tickets and I printed it off. And when we were down there, we took a taxi to <laughs> <laughs> to the theater showed up it's just like a regular mall uh in the place that we were st- near the place that we were staying at and uh we got you know drinks concession everything they had different popcorn flavors than i was used to which was kind of cool but we literally saw it we saw the force awakens in a virtually empty theater there was two oh my goodness mexican nerds <laughs> sitting like a couple of rows ahead of us and my family so my husband my you know my daughter and my son and me watching the force awakens for the first time opening day at like noon and it was a crazy like wonderful experience to see it in an empty theater in mexico for the first time i know everybody else's experience was like packed theater yep elbow to elbow elbow to elbow you get really close to people you don't know kind of thing i remember i think i went literally to the movie theater to buy tickets when they were released because of course like fandango went down and all those amc went down so i was like i'm just gonna go and just purchase them and make sure i got them for like i think it's like like 6 p.m showing on thursday Mm -hmm. so it was like the very first people because i was like i know somehow i will get spoiled because everyone knows i'm a huge star wars fan so you know how people were texting be like oh can you believe this kind of thing it's like i gotta be safe so i took my father because he took me to see the movies in 1997 when they came re-released so it was like well this is fun i'm gonna take my dad to see them now so it was it was amazing and i would like to be in an empty theater but at the same time it's kind of fun hearing the cheers and the screams and all that kind of stuff yeah i was still i was still able to experience that when i got back 
because I also booked tickets for when I got oh, back, yeah. of course. But yeah, I, I, it was a surreal experience. That's all. <laughs> no, yeah, that sounds amazing. I don't remember when I saw it. I, Brie, I know when you saw it. <laughs> so Brie is a bad Star Wars fan, and I shame them constantly. No, I know. I'm the worst, but I do love Star Wars. But I'm just yeah. the worst at being a fan of it. So we were at Disney, I think, the summer after The Force Awakens came out. And <gasps> oh, that's we were, right. Oh, now it's We were all at Hollywood Studios. Yes, it's all coming back to you. So we were at Hollywood Studios, and they have that Star Wars launch bay, and you can meet characters like Chewbacca and you can also meet Kylo Ren and we had some time to kill and I was like well why don't we just meet Kylo Ren and Bree's like who's that and I'm like I know I know it sounds really bad <laughs> but Bree really liked the Kylo Ren we met because um yeah I liked him a lot because he told her what to do <laughs> oh you don't have to like out me like that <laughs> I, I'm out you about that your Kylo Ren loves every day if I can I made her a Kylo Ren is Bay shirt which she wore when we went to Disneyland. I did. Proudly, mind you. Yeah. Because yeah. Kylo Ren is big. Awesome. Kylo yeah. Bay. <laughs> yeah. When we went to Disneyland and we met him again. And they're like, just like looking at him lovingly. And he's like, going to choke them with a force. <laughs> I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I bugged them endlessly to watch it. And they finally watched it like a month or two later. Yeah, I, I do wish I got the uh, movie theater experience, but I got the at-home movie theater experience, which is fine. No, it's not. I mean, it's not, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it's fine to feel, to make myself feel better. Yes, yes. Well, they'll probably do like Anytime a whole- that you come to Star Wars, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And also, you'll probably, they'll probably do re-releases and- yeah, I'll go see it. I saw the Fat Phantom Menace again in theaters. Ugh. Well, actually, just this last summer, I saw the Fa- the Force Awakens again with my son in the theaters, and it had been, you know, however many years <laughs> since it came out. And like he was like, "Hey, you want to go see Star Wars? It's in the theaters. I'd like to go see it." And it was an empty theater again <laughs> with two other oh, people, amazing. except for us. Um, we wore our masks, of course, to be safe. But um, yeah, it was another empty theater yeah i see like a lot of people doing that it ends up being an empty theater i'm like can i be just guaranteed an empty theater oh i know and then I'll for sure sure go great. but okay so this was a huge announcement back in the day once this film was bought by disney we were all like what you gonna do with it disney and they announced they were gonna make sequels and there's always been talk george lucas had some story ideas. And of course, before this, there was the extended universe. MC, did you read any of those like back in the day? The legends? Uh, like only a little bit. Like I had tried to read like Heir to the Empire and um, my cousins who were super into Star Wars, all of them were like really into legends, like had read all of the books. I wasn't um as big into them. I'd read like a few books but I really I didn't they didn't like leave an impression on me primarily I was really into the Star Wars RPG mm-hmm. um, which kind of expanded the universe but wasn't necessarily uh, I don't know like written properties because it was kind of you you do what you want in the Star Wars universe rather than it's telling you the story so I read a bunch of the novels as a kid and a teenager 
They were weird. Like, Luke falls in love with a Jedi that's, like, in a computer in one scene, in one (laughs) book. Yeah, Callista, and she, and another Jedi gives her her body so she can live, but then Callista doesn't have the Force. That's the weirdest one I remember. But there was weirder stuff. And Han and Leia do get married, and they have three kids. Twins, Jason and Jaina, and then Anakin Skywalker, which really Leia names her kid Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) That's, I mean, not Anakin, Anakin Solo. So there was a lot. And there were a lot of people upset yeah. because you spend decades <laughs> reading these legends and this is what happens. But at the same time, it's also announced that Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford are going to be in these new movies. So I was like, I don't care. It's so funny. I was like in high school. I have this very vivid memory. I used to do uh, part time at a local library putting away books. And I have a vivid remem- like memory of somebody telling me that Star Wars killed Chewbacca. They did. They did. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. And like, I was Wait. like, well, like in Legends, they dropped a moon on him. They, oh, yeah. they dropped a moon him. on him? Yeah, they killed him. They killed yeah. one of, they killed Jason Solo, and they killed Anakin Solo, and they killed Luke Skywalker's wife, Mara Jade, too. Jason Jason Solo killed Mara Jade. Got crazy. Yeah, and, and Chewbacca. Just, and Chewbacca, yes, of course. Chewbacca. Yeah, but was- like, I, re- I have like this vivid memory of a guy asking me about this book, and he's like, by the way, they killed Chewbacca. And I'm like, I don't even know how to process that. I'm just going to ignore it <laughs> Chewbacca <laughs> lives in my mind so is technically legends not canon then yeah no yeah yeah so unless they choose to bring something back from legends like recanonize it like it Thrawn is, um, which I loved in Rebels like Thrawn and, absolutely, and his own books. like Thrawn <laughs> Um, or certain aspects uh, like Dash Rendar was brought in via sort of a myths and legends type book that um, Tales from uh, Vander's Keep uh, or Vander's Castle, Jason Fry wrote that book. Unless they choose to kind of like reintegrate a specific aspect of legends, it's all like not canon. Got it. So... There's really no... It's just legends. It's just... Yes, legends. Like, stories people tell. They they got the story slightly wrong. Chewbacca is presumed dead in a part of the galaxy, and it's just a legend that somebody tells. They assumed Han and Leia had many more kids than they did, but they never did. Oh, well, <laughs> yikes for that you know, one. one. Things like that, yeah. But it does get a little sticky because, like, from... um. From a mythology perspective and the stories that we plug into, our brains like kind of get cool and comfy with a particular type of story. And then we want that to be the truth. And it is the truth for us. Like we see that happen with, um, you know, mythology and legends all throughout history. And when there's sort of an alternate telling of it you might subscribe to one mm, method of interpretation versus another well that's what i that becomes kind of dangerous i think well what i loved (laughs) is they made like luke skywalker a myth a legend ray and ben like they've heard of him but they Mm. don't think he's real in this movie yeah no i love that that was smart 
And it's definitely, I feel like, more so towards Ray, um, who really has kind of like an attachment to this being who may or may not be real. Well, I was just re-watching the beginning again, and I was just like, Ray's a fan. She's got her X-Wing helmet. She's got her action figure that x-wing pilot that she made kind of thing she's kind of like a star wars fan and it feels nice to be seen in the universe in a way well yeah i think it's still it's kind of the aspect of he's still giving people hope even when he's not there Mm -hmm. which you know it's a nice um i think it's a nice callback to a new hope and plus her becoming that new hope which is a little blurred in this first film as well so hard to talk about without talking about everything you know well yeah i know and since we're recording this it's not i've seen the other movies now yeah (laughs) yeah before very this is gonna be their first time watching them and they watch them in order and i don't know when i watched this one i was so hopeful for the sequel trilogy well i really i yeah I, i loved finn i'm not gonna lie i was a huge finn fan with this first film a lot of complaints is that this was too much like A New Hope, which I yeah, think... Yeah, I heard that a lot. Yeah. I think you can't please everyone. <laughs> it's just what You can't, happens. but they also introduced some new developments, which I loved. I loved seeing the stormtrooper who cared about his fellow stormtrooper. I was like, this is such an interesting aspect. And I did latch on to that a lot. I know what like it, some people didn't, but... They added in like a lot of complexity that Mm -hmm. uh, required a lot of nuance understanding to know what they had introduced the the stormtrooper who is no longer a faceless you know part of the empire or first orders regime now had a face now had a soul now all stormtroopers are that way And so Mm -hmm. to me, it was quite natural to assume that with that lead up, there would be a rebellion at some point to take back that ownership of that personality and almost like reconcile with the sins of the past, bringing an entire generation of people as well as the original creation of the clones uh, full circle and back and allow them to regain their autonomy through the actions of the movie and so like like that that is actually very powerful it was the first time that we had seen it and like giving that to Finn um, was an amazing choice. I think that it could have been a very powerful choice. He could have been a leader in future movies, like on his own. Yeah, that's not what I was relying hoping. on others. That's yeah, what I was hoping because he I, does. And I think that, yeah, and the fact that they just go back to like afterwards, let's just kill a bunch of stormtroopers, and like, no, we found out yeah. these aren't faith faceless like army. There's people underneath that mask and. A lot of them were kidnapped as children, we found out, with the First Order. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy. I do have to mention one thing before we kind of go on to the the whole wide thing. Because watching it as someone who 
doesn't really read the books and novelizations. That first scene where we we see the caring stormtrooper, we also um, see the guy who's been protecting what was given to BB-8 and to Poe. The piece of the map? Yes. Who was that guy? <laughs> Why did I care about him? You didn't. <laughs> but should it, I have? Yeah, that was just... A- well, that was a use of a named actor, like yeah. a very prominent older actor, Max von Sydow, right. who's you know very famous. It was a use of like, mm, in some ways, like prestige to say this is an important story, and I'm handing it off to the next generation. Which, from a meta perspective, is very, very interesting and thoughtful. But like, it ends up falling flat when we look at the whole saga now i didn't question it because i tend to just like go with the ride whenever i'm like first watching a star wars movie and just try to like enjoy what is being presented to me uh and just try to understand okay so like okay he's here uh and it was all in service of the dramatic for sure uh, entrance of the command shuttle with you know kylo's main theme playing in the background which i absolutely loved i love his entrance intimidating moment yeah Yeah, it was it was great like i i really liked his character build up um i really really did john williams received his 50th oscar nomination for scoring this film the music I mean, race theme, everything. It's I get yeah, chills. Schizo, so. schizo for X wings. Um, K- Kylo's two themes. Um, the overall play of Leia's or Han and Leia's theme together on cello, which is just an amazing choice uh, to to allow for a little bit more of that um, breadth, and it sounds older and more complex. Uh, there's a, there's so much going on in this in the music of this movie uh, that was like created, but also plugs into the uh, sort of overall themes as um, it, like Kylo's themes is are very connected with Vader's themes, but not quite. They're not quite formed. They're not quite full. Um, Ray's theme has Kylo's theme in it. Uh, it's interconnected to Kylo's theme. It's also connected with Palpatine's theme, which was something that allowed people to speculate that she was actually potentially a Palpatine. It turns out more that maybe they didn't really know what they were doing and didn't know where they were going to go with the story. That's what people are speculating now um, based on everything. And John kind of just tried to, Williams just tried to make the theme is flexible as possible to kind of show all the indications and all of the potential <laughs> variables. <Poor> John. Um, <laughs> but he did an amazing job. <laughs> but what I love about it is that it shows a journey of a woman, especially, and shows the complexities and the upside ups and downs of her theme. Um, I could go on and on about uh, Kahlo's theme. I did an entire episode on it previously. <laughs> so on how amazing both of his uh, sort of anger and uh, volatile theme, like a uh, menacing theme, uh, and his uh, indecisive, hesitant theme are. They're so cool. 
They really are. I mean, it, it's a music compels this story forward at times. So it's really interesting to see, you know, what yeah. you were saying. Like, it just adds yeah. so much to it. What did you think of Kylo when he was introduced? Because I, I think that this is like in so many ways, like the two riskiest choices that the sequel trilogy made was making a stormtrooper humanized, right? So now we humanize all stormtroopers and making Han and Leia's son uh, a fallen so person. One, I love Finn being a stormtrooper um, because I feel like he's standing up to the bad guys from within you know he's saying hey this isn't right you know we need to do something it's so so powerful um especially when you're just viewing it from any points of like history to those who stood up against evil you know and worked within to help it to help disable it I should say. It's just so powerful and so intriguing. And I thought it was such a good a good choice for them to do for this movie. You know, it it was it's still following like that Joseph Campbell, um, you know, a hero's journey type thing as the as the original. But I think it just adds a little more layers, um, which I, I just enjoy that. Um, Kylo Ren, I love Kylo Ren as a character. The one thing, and I know this might sound crazy, and I, I, I keep on harboring it. Um, I wish they didn't reveal who he was until right before he killed Han. Mm. Han calls out to him. Yes, yes, yes. Like right when he calls out to Ben. But um, then we wouldn't have for- the scene where Han and Leia are talking about their son, which I think is really powerful. It is powerful, but I almost wish they – and this is just could be me – I wish they were talking about him, but we didn't connect it to Kylo, but we maybe like had suspicions, but it wasn't until Han solidified our suspicions were correct. Um, But that just could be me um, and wanting. I feel feel like they had to do that because they needed to explain why Han would leave Leia and leave the cause. Yeah. They had it because I was like, Han, what you doing out there? Going back to your old old smuggler's ways. Yeah. So it had to be something big. And I can't think of anything like... (laughs) Like all of the motivations in this movie are quite solid and they all kind of follow logical conclusions. Yeah. I think that was just me liking a good reveal. Yeah, no. It would have been a very dramatic (laughs) reveal. I know. when Snoke goes, your father, Han Solo. I was like... Yeah, I just hated that. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, even Andy Serkis was like struggling with that uh, a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But we got, you know, we got very concerned. I don't know. There's something about Kylo's, uh, Kylo Ren in the mask and Adam Driver's portrayal of that and like what they add from a reverb perspective in post to his voice. And like, yes, I I think that's what I just wanted. I wanted that intimidating figure because no offense to Adam Driver the moment he took off that mask I was just like oh okay yeah like he didn't seem you know what I mean he wasn't as menacing to me and I love that kind of like looming power I think the point is like you're expecting oh okay well Vader wore the mask right because he is disfigured but then you see this guy and you're like 
you should be showing your face off, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, and it's like, why are you hiding your face? And the reasons are more symbolic exactly. and metaphorical than uh, necessarily what we would expect and, and more psychological, which I appreciated a lot. And also him wanting to show his face to Ray felt so important. Him, you know, being like this very princely knight figure like he looks like a knight like no, he's he got does. like this tunic and he has this long skirt like the dark from a knight. the dark knight like he's got the the helmet that looks very medieval and the sword that is very medieval with a cross guard like like he's a dark knight and his 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 servants his his allies are called the knights of ren like there's all of these purposeful right. choices to make it more medieval and more i don't know romantic in a way romantic as in like romantic like storytelling but also why make him beautiful and attractive to ray <laughs> why why do that why was that an important choice well it was to humanize him of course that is what i love about this movie is how humanized they are like finn has a panic attack during that battle and I was he like, does. that was amazing to see on screen. Even if we couldn't see his face, we could tell what was happening to him. And then just when Finn and Poe are talking and while they're escaping, it just felt like it felt so real. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's how I would be reacting too if I was escaping from the First Order. I would be yelling and screaming and making all this noise too. Because we just came back from the prequels where it's more Shakespearean in a way. Or I don't yeah, know how else I, to say I mean, it. It's, <laughs> it's very actually like to me, I always view the prequels as Greek tragedy, like because uh, um, yeah. of the use of choral in the music, the very like hubris driving the downfall of the perfect hero who was Anakin by Revenge of the Sith. Like we have to just like hear what the universe says. And even though Hayden was like very annoying and whiny uh and how he was directed to be in yeah. Attack of the Clones, very young, like he was a very young person in Attack of the Clones, like he ends up through the Clone Wars becoming the perfect hero and it's hubris and it's these other flaws that lead to the downfall. The, the galaxy needs to be in an okay place for it to fall as far as it does. And it's very Greek tragedy. There's a lot of pain that goes on and it's, the fall of the institutions too right it's it's not just it's not just the fall of these people it's you know everything that people put their faith in and institutions and george did that purposefully in the prequels but the sequels themselves had like a different flavor to them they were trying to tell a story uh for today especially the sequels they were trying to say like you know the bad guy could be somebody you really know well right mm -hmm. he could That's be true. influenced and taken over he could be the person you love most in the world and society is such a in such a complex place that there is no way to protect our children any longer from necessarily the evils of the world it was a very hard choice people used to call him like a Vader fanboy, but also they used to call him like, um, like a school shooter, like Kylo. Yeah, right. I'm not that I agree with that, that but right. But 
like that's the impression that people got out of the theater. I and will it, say you know? before Candace let me know, I didn't really understand how like how much snow had a grasp on Kylo uh, until Candace explained it to me because you said the books really do that justice. Yeah, the comic book especially like. We actually one yeah. of the writers, Arzu, is writing about how expanded universe changes how you view view Kylo. You don't understand because, like, he's straight up like he's saying murder villagers and straight up killing his dad and stuff like that. And we do get hints of that because he's like, "I feel torn. I feel like this." But of course, uh, like, I just I mean, reasons. Felt, but there is a manipulation in the story, right? So, like, if you look at it like a surface level, I guess I, I can see that he would have come off as very like in his own. But look at how Snoke is framed. There is literally pews surrounding the audience chamber, and he is projected to be this massive cult-like figure. For sure. No, what what I was going to say is, like, for me, I felt Kylo, um, without knowing the whole, like, extreme hold that Snoke got on him, was, like, I felt he there had been, in my head when watching this movie, I thought it was due to him rejecting what the Jedi stood for mm. and finding um, like that, why he gravitated towards his grandfather uh, and his aspects more because he felt like he was doing more of a grander thing to step away from the Jedi. And I thought it was going to be a lot based on Luke and his interactions with Kylo that made right. him turn. Um, but I guess, I, you know, there's definitely more aspects uh, that goes on there, but I, I thought it was interesting psychologically because um, I never thought he was just like a fanboy of Vader, right? But I thought it was more so um, self-doubting himself to the point of succumbing to wanting to feel that power for himself to take almost like a a hold of uh, of an identity because he didn't know what his was and kind of rejecting. Um, the you know the the non emotional standards of the Jedi you know kind of right. like absolutely I always viewed uh, Kylo to be a lost kid who you know yeah ben, like a Peter he, Pan yeah yeah like he he was looking for purpose always right and and he couldn't he didn't find that with Luke and so like Snoke gave him purpose regardless of the fact that. It was maybe not the best purpose. Right. And and that speaks to a lot of people. Like, you know, they're feeling aimless and lost and like they don't know how to grow up and what they should care about. And, and, and then they're handed an identity yeah. that they grasp and latch onto because yeah. it makes them feel like someone, you know. An yeah. And, and having like a having a mentor type person say you're powerful you're important that mighty skywalker blood you know like i mean that's the last jedi but 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 that's what snoke was always telling him his apprentice his special yeah. person is you know like that's you know that's that's a really important thing for us to take away from this movie is like and I'm I'm like a massive advocate of redemption in every quality and shape and form that like 
people need to realize that like it's not just the person deciding it's the society that they're brought up in it is the people that influence them it is you know how we necessarily don't you know help our kids be successful with everything that we can it's yeah and everything and then there's also that aspect that maybe han was worried that he'd be like an anakin so you put that pressure on a kid and he's going to grow weary and self-doubtful of himself. If everyone's worried, he's going to turn <laughs> to the dark side already. And almost was like he was his hand was forced to go there. Yeah, it's like uh, a fate self-fulfilling in a way. Prophecy. Yeah. Like, almost. Hmm, You're the dual of fate, yeah. I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And what is super interesting is that when you kind of think about that, you're like, we never found out when Kylo found out about him being the grandson of Darth Vader. Yeah, we know when he's Never. like a teenager, he still didn't know. Like, right. But he fa- he didn't like find out even an extended canon. Wait, so they we don't know. even... Yeah. Yeah, Leia, it comes out in... One, in Blood Ties, the book. It comes out, but we never find out when yeah. when he finds out. And we whether don't even he find out find, if Leia tells, tells him. Or yeah. he, he found it out on the news or something. Yeah, like whether he felt betrayed, he was already missing by that point. Like like whether Snoke told him. Like we don't, we don't know how he found that out. And that was a family shadow that now he had to like process. Be like, I was just, you know, the son of these war heroes. And, you know, nephew to Luke, who was this amazing, magical person, literally a magical person. How can I, you know, I'm literally always going to be <laughs> going behind them. And then he finds out, actually, there's a more powerful person in his mind, maybe, that is Vader that had control. Because, like, one of the things Phil Shostak told me <laughs> when I interviewed him was that if Lucasfilm had a Mickey Mouse, it would be Darth Vader. Yeah. And it's because, like, kids, like, want to have control. They want to have, you know, they want to be powerful like Darth Vader. They want to have control. They want to be cool. You know, there's there's something in that. And Darth Vader had everything that Kylo didn't. I feel like a lot of this stuff happens with, like, Kylo and the villainy of it happens with marketing is how they market the toys and also just how they want to market the movie and simplify these ideas. So it changes kind of like how they view. Like if you go to freaking Disney World, you have like the first order marching around and Kylo Ren making children cry and they too. Every time I go, I hear a crying kid. I know Kylo is like five steps away. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. I was like, oh, there's Kylo making a toddler cry again. Oh, man. I haven't been there yet. I was supposed to go twice this year. And then, you know, the world happened. Um, well, whenever you want to go, I live an hour away. And well, whenever the chronos comes. <laughs> um, well, the interesting thing, we we're talking about introductions. All three of the key characters, Ray, Finn, and Kylo, are introduced while wearing a mask. Yeah. Or hiding their face. And Mackie wrote a really amazing piece for our site about how it didn't quite live up in the full trilogy, but it is interesting. The second Finn puts on his Stormtrooper helmet, it cuts to Ray, and Ray has her face covered. Yeah. So it's all about those expectations, and no one is what you think they are just visually. Absolutely. Yeah. That whole book by the cover kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like your assumptions about this will 
potentially be wrong. And did you guys find Jake Jakku, the desert planet, too redundant? Too much like Tatooine with I I liked it because it was like an elephant graveyard. Yeah. You know, that was really or like cool. like a Colossus graveyard. And it's like the the history of the past is now buried and now this scavenger. And I loved I loved the idea that Ray could scavenge and fix and find and wait you know it was it it was a very compassionate and I don't know an interesting way to introduce a female character specifically um unfortunately like it falls apart as soon as you start to think about the rise of Skywalker because her traits Mm. and her mastery doesn't continue and it was one of the it was one of the things that like I I literally fought with fans other fans of people that I knew about it's like she's literally survived on this planet for how many years on her own she can fight she can take care of herself because she had to and so anybody that had a problem with her having power or tapping into the force or anything I always had a I struggled with a lot because it's like you're assuming a lot about a person that cannot be assumed because we have the proof in the movie she has her staff we see that she lives in a freaking ATAT. we see right. that she has said that she's flown before she hasn't left the planet yes. but she has flown right she says that and also wouldn't and the force just be naturally boosting her already gifted nature yeah right Bree, nobody asked how baby yoda used the force do you know why no, no one well because, because he's, he's a not a woman. dude yeah. yeah, yeah, that's he's not a woman. Yeah. Also, though, like, I don't no, like it's unfortunate, how... but like it this, is unfortunate. This movie pulled pulled out a lot of interesting things. For first and foremost, it showed a lot of the fandom as super racist. Well, yeah, oh, they didn't yes, like right? that Finn was going to be a lead character, correct? Which was and, ridiculous. And, and a black stormtrooper. That was specifically something that they were like, how can a stormtrooper be black? It's like, well, you've never Wait, seen what? one without. No, no, no. This was when the when the Announced. trailer <laughs> came out. This is literally stuff that was like in the fandom. Like, I'm just. I was. But right? who knows what type and, of clones are under there? They could be anyone. <laughs> I'm very exactly. confused at people. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, people, people make people, me angry. Like their their prejudices and their bigotry like just came right out. And also hmm. they didn't market Ray as the lead character. Like right. even, yes. even in the trailer until the IMAX poster. So I was like paying super close attention the to everything. The thing is I like that they were dual main characters. I like that they were on this journey together and it really upsets me obviously that Finn takes more of a backseat as we go forward in the sequels. Um because I I loved their two stories because she was stuck and doesn't know her identity. He was stuck and trying to find an identity, and I thought they were like on very similar planes, um, which I really liked. And I just hate how they favored one over the other. Yeah, people thought that they would be uh, maybe more connected, but I think that at some point the decision was made that like Ray has to be the main main character of 
it's about Ray's journey. That's, I mean, I that's all I can assume is that somebody yeah, in the I decision just, making room made that decision. Well, what I assumed it was going to be is like the Force Awakens, and it awoke in everybody ben and Ray. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think I. Th- oh God, there's so many things that I I wish happened after the movie and in different ways. I do. I do kind of have a question for you. Did you think after watching the first movie that? Ray was Luke's daughter or related to Kylo in some way. I thought for a little bit that maybe she was his younger sister, Kylo's younger sister, mm-hmm. because when he's told a girl on Jakku, he throws that hissy fit. Yeah. And I was like, why is he so mad? I was like, oh, maybe he hid her away from Snow. You know, like, he doesn't care about her parents or anything like that, but he does care about his little sister or something, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, but then I was getting mad because I was like, well, the whole reason the Luke and Darth Vader twist was a big deal was because nobody saw that as a possibility. So that just goes into a whole thing about like, I really liked what Ryan did with the whole nobody thing because nobody, you could be a nobody and you could still be a hero kind of thing. Yeah. Because we already had Poe be the rebel. We know that Poe had rebel parents and mm-hmm. he's a hero, you know. But then we have Kylo who has the hero parents and he can be a villain. So you can literally be either or, you know, or you could be nobody. But yeah, that just goes into a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh, free. I don't know if you know, but like it was a big moment when, okay, so first Kylo and Finn are fighting with the lightsabers and then Kylo like slices Finn. And then when the lightsaber goes to Rey, the whole crowd erupts because she was not advertised with that lightsaber at all. In the John Bodega GQ interview, he talks about the bait and switch of the marketing, which if you go back, you can see it clearly is advertising him as a Jedi. Well, and they also show he has force in the movie as well. I mean, anyone could use a lightsaber. We see Sabine use a darksaber and other Mandalorians. And Han Rebels. used a lightsaber and... yeah. But Empire I thought he, back. like, wiggled it with he his wiggled no. <laughs> no. No, that was Ray in the that end. That was Ray. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that was just wishful thinking on my part. I I just think, like, it was it was the wrong choice to make. And I think, so. so this is back to, like, me being very critical of, you know, Lucasfilm and Disney at the time is, like, they decided that they were scared of the sexist people more than they decided they would be scared of being racist like Mm. it's it sucks it sucks because they did a bait and switch they they hurt many fans out there right which is again why i think they should just kept them as both main characters because their journeys are similar yeah but that doesn't tell us anything from a conflict or from a from a character progression perspective they they need their own journeys even though they could be together on those journeys they need to have their own stories like having a hundred percent but they could be i'm saying they could have they each have a similar need for an identity right and those two journeys could be gone on simultaneously but still connected to one another yeah and i think that like what Many people saw in The Force Awakens as, hey, you've broken away from the stormtroopers. You show it's possible. This could be your journey. Everybody was super psyched about that idea. They never fully leaned into it. And it could have been 
his whole thing, his power move, being a leader, being, you know, mm-hmm. a general on his own. And instead, it like just becomes super muddled in in everything that ends up well, happening. Well, they also have him so scared each time. It's almost like he grows and then takes a step back. Grows, take a step back. Grows, yeah. take a step back. And it's so frustrating. And also with Rise of the Skywalker, they he meets other stormtroopers who broke away. But why couldn't that have happened sooner? Not to say I don't like The Last Jedi, but I mean, that would have been such a cool well, story even- to see. Even sooner, just in Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Or he, that mm. you see them. Ha- you see them break away, and it's like, oh, it's not just me. It's also you. Let's go break everybody out. Let's go yeah. inspire everybody. Like, like it was all there to happen, and it, and they just failed. They just didn't choose to pull on that story thread. Whereas, like Ray herself, like that was really important. Like her being. A central figure to many women was actually very important to many women to acknowledge like women can have power too. women can mm-hmm. be strong women can be you know talented and uh try hard and work hard like it was very much embedded in her character i don't agree with the marketing at all because it did do that whereas the story uh the story always leans into the story as presented leans into the idea that the lightsaber belongs to Ray. We hear that yeah. like Ray finds it. Ray, uh, you know, has the conversation with Maz. Maz says to Finn, take this lightsaber, you know, find your friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, so it's always in the story. It's like, if we just take the movie, we're not looking at the marketing, the, the lightsaber is raised and Finn is on his own journey and he's got his own yes. thing and he's trying to and he develops like this really cool friendship with Poe he develops this really cool friendship with Ray he has a good cool mentorship thing with both Han and Chewie like his story in TFA is actually quite solid but the marketing fails him yeah. in people's expectations of what yeah. was going to happen and that's a thing too because like you were saying uh both Finn and Ray are important to very two different demographics even or the mm-hmm. same and both um, equally so important exactly. to people and like, I feel like Ray more or less was justified but they really did a disservice to Finn and it's like when you start off really strong um I don't know. I feel like they like, just let a lot they, of people down in storytelling. I I mean, in the end, like in The Rise of Skywalker, yeah. they let them both down. In my well, opinion, yeah. like the problems that they were scared of in the initial marketing of TFA have followed them through to The Rise of Skywalker. And the only reason that we got different marketing and different like set up for their journeys from a marketing and from an external branding perspective, which I'm going to tell you influences how people view movies. A hundred percent. Was because in The Last Jedi, the entire movie was done and cut and finished seven months before it was in theaters. They had time to prep and plan and figure out what that messaging should be for what the story was going to be presented. Final Cut was wasn't, done. Wasn't Rise like done a month and a half before? No. Uh, uh, Final Cut was done December 3rd. Oh my God. 
Also, oh, MC, sorry, that freaks me um, out. Because I didn't <laughs> get to answer scared. you beforehand. I I do wish Ray was unknown, mm. like from an unknown past, because Ray nobody. We're we're fans of Ray nobody. Is everybody <laughs> fans of Ray nobody? Yeah. I love that. Well, I love the concept because. It just feels like, oh, well, it, it has to be these important figures, um, which, uh, okay, sure, because someone's got to come from somewhere. But I feel like it erases all of um, the Jedi who were training that, um, you know, Anakin slaughtered. <laughs> um, you know, that there's so many Jedi, and then it, it would have been nice to see someone uh, power spark from from nothing and kind of being that new hope will rise again. Yeah. Not necessarily that they're connected to an important established figure already. Um, yeah. That's what I was hoping for, at least. I Go actually yeah. thought that she was Luke's daughter <laughs> when I, I first... I actually, I never thought that. When I got it, out it, of the theater and then I was like, but there was all that weird sexual tension between her and that weird dark Kylo figure and he was so hot. And so what I did was when I got home from from my trip to Mexico, I googled all of the fan fiction that was already out for TFA and those fanfic writers are super quick. Holy hell. <laughs> and there was already uh like you know speculation, hey, what happens next? Pairing them together. Do you remember, like, when they announced, like, Rogue One and Felicity Jones is going to be... People thought she was Ray's mom? Yeah, yeah. I remember. It's every time. And then Amelia Clark. Oh, another brunette British woman. Maybe she's the mother of Ray. And all this stuff. Every time. It was like, anyone was announced. We're like, are they related? Are they related? It was funny. Yeah, I guess I kind of... I mean, I, I thought they might be toying with it. But I kind of like the idea of just like a nobody stormtrooper, Mm -hmm. you know, taking back what he thinks is right. And then just a nobody girl who is discovering she has the ability to give hope to others. Yeah. Yeah. The only part of like dual fates that I really liked and thought was solid was the Finn arc. And the whole thing is like he meets up like he's fighting and he sees a stormtrooper, which he knew back in training. And that later pays off. And he starts an uprising, and Rose is there, and Rose gets lines. Oh, that'd be nice. (laughs) But yeah, dual fates is weird. Too bad they couldn't just have, like, meshed a little. (sighs) It's, yeah, it's just a whole thing. It's frustrating. Do you think they alluded to Ben being Force-sensitive in Rise of Skywalker because of the marketing and complaints? So it's interesting because when you think of all of the major sort of like on the nose things that end up happening, they're literally complaints from Reddit. Oh, yeah. Everything that happens in Rise of Skywalker feels like just some either angry tweets got in. Oh, yeah. you mean like the erasure of Rose? Was that because of a- uh, like Rose, uh, the Haldo maneuver being called that literally in the movie? The lightsaber uh, coming back. The lightsaber <laughs> coming back. The the idea that, you know, Luke wasn't as powerful as he should have been from The Last Jedi. Ray Palpatine, Ray Skywalker. Um, the 
oh, this is turning into a the Rise of Skywalker uh, <laughs> fest. But, I'm like, sorry. I just feel like they they started off with a strong movie. I mean, granted, I feel like you know that's what JJ does. He's great at starting off premises and starting things off, but he is not good at a finish. But I don't he think it's just JJ. Boxes. It's also the producers. It's also Disney. It's also you know, there's so many factors that goes into building a movie you know and there's also not a lot of trust as well um because when you look at what what really drives movies nowadays well it's money especially big blockbusters and no one trusts anymore and i feel like jj didn't even trust himself or maybe he just got angry about the last jedi and then i don't know my theory is Carrie Fisher, she script doctored stuff, and yeah, she would not have let a Rise of Skywalker happen. No. That's all I'm saying. No, she, she wouldn't, wouldn't have, been, have, and she would have been very mad about the the outcome of Ben. I think as well too, because yeah, she was definitely. very invested in her on screen child having a happy outcome, and like she's she. There's there's interviews of her interviewing George Lucas and like yelling at him about romance and like being mm-hmm. upset with him about bad choices and like I just feel like Carrie would have I don't know been like uh no <laughs> Yeah, we're not doing well, this. Well, yeah, but also I mean they if it's true that they really listen to a lot of complaints, uh it's sad that they listen to those complaints because those are what hindered the movie to actually be good. Because, again, we started off strong with Force Awakens. We had two strong characters who, you know, I was heavily invested in their stories because they were different Mm -hmm. from other people. Um, You know, they they were heroes I wanted to hear stories about instead of heroes I've already heard stories about, you know? Absolutely. And, And it's just really frustrating that they listen to the people who want to have the same old same old and it's like well stories aren't the same you know no one's journey is the same and it's really frustrating that they would do that one thing that the force awakens did really really well was show that leia han and luke were mentors to this generation Mm -hmm. that that was absolutely set up that way they were not the people that were going to be you know as luke in the last jedi says like you know pull up my lightsaber and or my laser sword and pull a pull a yeah yeah, like a a star destroyer out of the sky like what do you expect of me i'm not that i shouldn't be that this is your fight you know and and that's such an important thing. Like handing off the torch to the next generation is so important for us because our world yeah. doesn't survive. A, a, a cause doesn't survive. Truth doesn't survive unless you are able to mentor that and and like really nurture that in the next generation. And that's why heroes become mentors to the next generation, not taking over for the next generation (laughs) exactly because then again you're just leading back to the same old same old and i think that's another thing why finn was so important because he was making critical changes and and learning truths about you know just seeing the negative effects of what he was doing and what they were all being forced to do absolutely and there was it, like a soul so, brought to yes, the, the yeah. evil army and like, you know, totalitarian regime. Like there was yeah. a, like this, this, uh, like this spark and, and 
it was very important <laughs> to a lot of people, I think. Um, not just, kind, yeah, yeah. Not, not just that he was like, you know, potentially force sensitive, which was a lot of people's right. assumptions. It was also just the fact that he was special. He, he was marked like with the blood on his mask and everything. And that pulled yeah. him out of everything that, I yeah. Don't know. yeah. And, and, and also his character kind of reminded me of a continuation, uh, from Rogue One, the pilot. I forget mm. his name, Candace. Bodie? Brody. Yes. Oh, I, I loved him. But kind of that journey, like, he also separated. Yeah. Um, and then fought against the regime, um, you know, the fascist regime. And he was also, again, POC, mm-hmm. um, Middle Eastern. And we hadn't really seen that. And, like, I'm half Middle Eastern. And that was, like, super exciting for me to see. And... I just feel like you have such an important character like Finn kind of continuing that breakaway, you know, um, and, and I don't know, just becoming your own person and I mean, just to see what they did. I don't know. It, just, it hurt. That's what like these these uh, coming of age stories, the the mythology is supposed to tell us. Right. It's supposed to say, you know, you live in a world and it is a harsh reality, and it's going to tell you to go a specific way. Your entire job during this coming-of-age story is to find your own path. And Mm -hmm. like Joseph Campbell would say, if you're walking somebody else's path, you know, if, if you've walked this path before, it's because you're walking somebody else's path and it's not actually for you. And and that to me is like the the biggest lesson of the sequel trilogy is we end up having Ray um, start at the beginning from a from a you know like she goes back to Tatooine another desert planet she is back at the same location that Luke had his am I gonna go on this adventure moment this like you know doubting whether he's actually going to go on on his adventure and she's on literally the start of a new journey which we may never get to see and that's hard for me is like she didn't grow she went back to where she was without any change and it feels like there's a lot of that happening in media nowadays rather than letting women grow and you know becoming who they are meant to be on their journey agreed it's a lot of playing it safe yeah and 100 percent, which it doesn't further a story no it doesn't it doesn't help their story and she was set up no. to have i am a powerful like freaking lioness <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah literally what rise of skywalker is at the end it's just like Return of the Jedi. She's fighting Palpatine with someone who she loves, who she turned back from the dark side. Yeah. Just like what happened with Luke and Vader. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and again, I think it would have been a lot more powerful if she was from no one. Um, and kind of, yeah, I have a whole, <laughs> that's a whole nother issue I have a problem with, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because like we care. We care about this story. We care enough to be like, "Ugh, why didn't it go that way?" Right. Well, it shows that there was something in both TFA and The Last Jedi that spoke to us that resonated super strongly with us as, you know, people. 
right? That yeah. that that these stories, this this story of somebody coming from nowhere, somebody who, you know, had power, didn't understand it, it you know, it was scared of it. Both her and Finn were scared, but in different ways. And I really appreciated that. Finn was scared of outward things and Ray was scared of inward things, the power that resonated inside of her that she didn't understand and couldn't control. And that was very clear from, you know, her experiences in TFA and was again reflected in The Last Jedi. And yeah, that Mm -hmm. continued on from a thematic perspective in The Rise of Skywalker, but ended up having in many people's opinions, an unsatisfactory reason when really all she needed to do was be like, no, I am the master of my own power. I am the inner God goddess of my own power. And I don't need to come from anywhere to know that I can control myself because like that's more that speaks to more people, I think. I think so. And and it, it's unfortunate because it's like, well, in a metatextual perspective, reaffirming bloodline is very patriarchal. Yep. And reaffirming, <laughs> reaffirming that you don't have your power, you come from his power, removes, you know, the feminine from any sort of power conversations or from, you know, the heroine's journey, the idea that women are innately powerful. And and it it makes me very sad that that ends up being the metatextual message that women must have only power that is given to them by a man think it interrupts what happened in the last jedi when you see that kid who was a slave yeah at the, the, room the boy. democratization of the force the idea that anyone could come from anywhere and be yeah. a hero that is that is directly pointing at that kid in the audience yeah. whoever that kid is and saying you could be ray you could make the right choice you could be yeah. finn you could be poe you could be any of these heroes yeah which was the original message of a new hope. Right? Exactly. And also too, it 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 I think it it limits the idea of who can become a Jedi now, which I hate. And I loved The Last Jedi when they added that little part in. I was like, ooh, that's a good touch. Because again reflects on all those kids that Anakin killed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know Or he never I, forgets those kids. I would I, I would listen. Say, <laughs> no, 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 no. Kids are important. Kids are literally so important to the story. It is like there's a specific age that they call the the Star Wars age, which is the movies are aimed, and George talked about this a lot, and a lot of Star Wars creators talk about is the the movies and and the shows and and Star Wars is supposed to aim at eight to twelve year olds. Yep, I was nine when they got me hooked. Yeah, and and yeah, you can come in at it later. You can right. totally plug into it, but it's supposed to be coming of age stories. The idea that you're about to go into this like very scary period of time in your life, i.e. Oh, no. puberty slash adolescence, and uh, the outcomes are unsure, 
And it's your own experience, your own journey to to get through it. And it feels like the world is against you. That and is to stand up for is. what's right. Because yeah. I will say half those people complaining about Ray and Finn would be <laughs> not on the rebellion side. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's we'd be fighting very against them. Ironic, <laughs> very ironic. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're not getting the point of these movies. Yeah, they're not. Um, calling you out, by the way. Doubt you're listening to this podcast, but you know. Yeah, you're, it, it's surprising <laughs> who shows up at what the force occasionally and leaves a comment on YouTube. Um, <laughs> like, how did you find us? Oh, I know how they found me. Uh, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's but but like the the idea and and what I would say is that there is a uh an emotional spiritual disconnect in the story from what we get in all of the other auxiliary canon from The Rise of Skywalker. I can tell you that in in very truthful nature that like there is a dem- democratization of the force that happens in Clone Wars in you know the prequels in all of the other books like there there is this idea that anyone can have the force and anyone like you know parents who never had the force have kids who have the force or parents who have the force have kids that don't have the force like there's it's very you know it's not set in stone who necessarily can be somebody who is plugged in to the way of the force and also like who can be a hero that's also something you know you come you come to it because the world and the path calls to you and i i i don't think that if they had realized that that was the message that they were sending which they do they absolutely do send that in the rise of Skywalker that you need to be a specific type of person. You need to have been a Jedi or you need to have come from a powerful bloodline to be a difference maker that, that I don't think that they would have doubled down on that if they had kind of realized that metatextual message. I really don't think that they would have done that because they sell anybody can be a Jedi. Anybody can be a force user in their theme park. Well, maybe that's just to get money. No, but but there's something about they could get more money. They could get more money if they well, if I they know that went but. with the broom boy explanation rather than like because anybody can be a hero is very self insert right and very no it is powerful in empowering right. No, I, I mean yeah. I agree, and that's why it just again I think I think the Force Awakens does a great job at setting up things absolutely, and then we just get disappointed from there. <laughs> Although I like The Last Jedi because it did give me hope hope at times. And I liked uh, the fight that Finn had at the mm-hmm. end there. Like, that was a really, like, take back moment for him. Very powerful. I think it's, With Phasma? It's, yeah. 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 It, that was such a, an amazing moment. And if he had stayed on that level during the third movie, I think that that's what I was missing. And then again with Ray, yeah. There's a whole lot of mess ups with Rise, JJ. <laughs> Looking at you, kid. And I, As you know, I, I, I know you've <laughs> had, I know you've had Ty Black on the on the show before, and Ty yeah, and I have like mm-hmm. spoken so much about this, and she doesn't necessarily blame JJ because I think with a different script, it would have been a different 
outcome completely. And it was primarily written by Chris Terrio, who has a very legends background. So you can literally see. Oh, I see. Well, so like on his desk when he's interviewed for the behind the scenes uh, documentary that was on the DVD and the Blu-ray. You can see a legend, a stack of legends books next to him. And that's where like a lot of the concepts and the like uh, he talks about the Jedi trials a lot, which is literally like not what Star Wars is going with there. It's like um, he talks about how like Leia's ultimate goal was to become a Jedi. That's all she ever Mm -hmm. wanted in his mind. In his mind, he's talking about this. And, and talking to the camera. And he talks about how the only way that she could become a Jedi was fulfilling her Jedi path with the redemption and death of Ben. Mm. So, so like, <laughs> But also, I yeah. will say this. It was JJ's, his call to oh, kind of absolutely. Keep, yeah. I mean, because directors do have an influence over scripts. I mean... Well, I mean, what he he has a writing credit on it, so it's not. Yeah. I'm not, but I'm I'm just saying but like he relied the, on Chris, Chris. Terrio for the Star Wars knowledge and understanding the mythology, and the mythology is just from a significantly. It's like it's like he used a different Bible. It's like yeah, you it know. Feels but very I don't different. understand though because I, I'm coming I'm coming from the Star Wars point of view that doesn't read all the extended like books and and I should probably because it probably give me a better understanding but if you're using (laughs) things that a majority of the audience wouldn't know about and then on top of that an archaic version what you're saying right um how does that help anything when writing a mainstream movie (laughs) that follows (laughs) I okay so a setup that he ignored. Okay, uh, this is getting way off TFA, yeah, and I'm, like, I'm really sorry like, about that. But if you were trying to marry mythologies, you know, in in a uh, alchemical way, how would you do that? Well, I would I would first look at the setup that was given to me. Oh oh um, no no no! Assuming assuming you don't care. What happened? I'm oh, assuming I don't care what happens. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, okay. okay. That's so, tough for me to think about because I'm I'm normal. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, let's see here. Um, if I didn't care about them, I guess I would just focus on the one that I wanted to tell, which is probably what Chris did. Yeah, yeah. But in some ways, it still followed the same path and the same journey, and and like some logical things happened, like Ben's redemption. Right. Um, you know some of the pieces like you know Ray confronting her darkness like that was all kind of in there thematically but then he just tossed what to the side what he didn't know what to do with yeah yeah because it's like they took two different sets of mythologies and tried to marry them together and like cut the story in half and tried to give both sides of those religious fanatics something to eat but in, you can't please everyone. No, as you well. cannot. You cannot please everybody with half of a. I I use the in my Rise of Skywalker uh, breakdown. I use the um, the metaphor of King Solomon and the child that with the two moms. Right. He basically cut 
our mythological baby in half. And of course, yeah. if you aren't the mother, you don't care. Yeah. And some people <laughs> who like saw who were super fans of the sequel trilogy and saw the outcomes didn't react well. Some people went into full crisis mode. Right? Because they were like, my mythology has been cut in half because the story was leading somewhere. Whereas other people were satisfied with the outcomes. Not like, you know, because like they didn't care. They just wanted a good story or, you know, a conclusion or just the end. And and like as my husband likes to remind me whenever we get into some sort of Rise of Skywalker conversation and I'm really sorry that this has kind of gone into this direction but he likes to he's like well I guess there's no more of them because how can there be like and just like you know like it if in like just absolutely taking away the power from the story and and the lightning that was in the bottle that was set up from TFA and continued and enhanced although there are literally people who didn't understand what was happening and didn't come along for the journey and were plugged into a different set of methodological ideas. And so they had problems with the Luke that was presented, the Luke that was presented, because one of the things about legends is that the the heroes never age. They have children, no. they have full grown children, but they're still they have grandchildren. young and spry and kicking ass and they're heroes forever. Yeah, they, right? like you said, like Chewbacca's the only one who gets killed off of the main. Yeah, and they're powerful and they're just godlike. But is yeah. that real? Is that the logical progression of their story 30 years later? Probably not. Especially with all the issues and PTSD they probably have after some really horrific things happening to them. Yeah, I think that, you know, presenting, I mean, it was JJ's choice to leave Luke out of the exactly. first story. People b- blame Ryan for that all the time. But no, Ryan was given. Luke Skywalker was hiding away on a planet somewhere. Right. There had to be a reason for it. There had to be. Like, J- He's not like, oh, I, I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> but I left a map. <laughs> yeah, no, that. Uh, huh. Yeah. I mean, I think Rain followed. I think he did good with what he was given. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and he okay, expanded so from a from a did. symbolic perspective, from mm-hmm. from a story, especially plugging into something that's so uh like from a feminine perspective, especially that was very unique and I think that it actually like psychologically best with a lot of men. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because, yeah. Like like there was so much uh like uh nature creation, uh wet cave like women womanly symbolism like literally like you know the thalus siren and the milk like is so much uh sexual symbolism that like happened on acto that i think it literally messed some people up like they didn't I know wonder, how to deal with it i i almost wish we had a rain johnson script for the third movie to see what he would have done it would have been interesting but i think after all that hate he got oh i know Again, there is um, no, way too busy. much. Heat. He he was making yeah, sure. knives out, right? So Oh, yeah. which I did love. I love Yeah. That movie. So I I don't know. I I think like I cuz I think that they had asked him 
But he, his life dream for the last 10 years was to make Knives Out. <laughs> so like, Which, you know, he's like, uh, I'll come back for that trilogy I'm supposed to do, but... I guess. You know, I no, but I'm, I'm just wondering what he would have done differently because I have a feeling I would have liked what he wanted more. Yeah, I think so. I think that there was, uh, there's some really interesting, like, questions I still have about, like, hey, why did the rise of Skywalker end up this way? And, you know, tight turnaround Kathleen Kennedy had asked for more time was denied by Bob Iger um yeah you know like there's there's all sorts of things and sometimes a movie just doesn't work and that no a hundred percent a hundred percent I'm just saying like it'd be interesting interesting to see Rain's take on what Oh, absolutely. His, his vision for the third movie would have been. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he he understood. Like, this is this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, which is that it's not like men can't tell stories for women or, you know, whatever. It's not like that can't happen. It but sometimes totally, women can't tell good stories for women either. I think yeah. it just depends on the person. It literally, like, we make a lot of assumptions that only women can tell stories for women, or you know, only you know, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. But I think that he would have allowed Ray to be a woman, which was important to me specifically. Is there any other thoughts? This is a very unique conversation that I've never I'm- had before. <laughs> um, I think ending statements, Force Awakens was great. Um, and and I... I can still watch it. I watched it just recently. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, I just it's feel... It's a fun movie. It's it's great. I like I like this one a lot, to be honest. Like, it, it got me hyped. I'm just... I'm kind of... Not thinking about a later yeah, just don't continuation think about it. of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't think about that and just watch it, it's a great it's a great film. NC, can you tell people how to find you online? Oh, sure. Uh, if you're interested in my Star Wars thoughts and way of thinking about Star Wars after this uh, incredibly awesome conversation uh check out what the force uh you can find the website at whattheforce.ca or you can find me on twitter at wt force show i'm the podcast is available wherever podcasts are found and youtube at what the force so check that out if you're looking for my personal twitter it's just marie c gould g-o-u-l-d is how you spell Gould. And then you can find us at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we house all of our podcast episodes and blogs by our amazing writers. And then uh, Candice, who is the reign of Twitter, is uh, geeky underscore waffle. And then we also have a Facebook community group called Geeky Waffles, which you can come hang out and we'll share memes and we'll cry a lot about nerdy things. So, you know. Well, thank you, MC, so much for talking with us. Yeah, it was, it was great. All around, but it was really good to talk about all these feelings we had. Oh, my God. So many feelings. It's it's it, actually kind of interesting to process all of this after all this time. Yeah. <laughs> Cathartic. It's good, yeah. it's good to look back. <laughs> actually, this is the movie that got me started on, hey, we should rewatch all these because I watched it at the beginning of quarantine. And I was like, 
I got some thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I need to make Brie watch these to have more thoughts. It's true. And I, it, yes. Finally saw the well, others. <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Stay geeky. <laughs>